0: Welcome, everybody. F1 Feast from the Filibuster Freestyle and filibusterfreestyle.com. It's your buddy, Gavin. We're talking Hungarian Grand Prix race review. And I'm going to be honest with you. Today, for reasons I I will go into after the theme song, we're not going to do any food in the F1 Feast. Are we fasting? Is this the F1 fast? Double entendre intended? No, it's not. However, we're not going to have any food from Hungary or anywhere else related to this feast related to this episode, related to the Hungarian Grand Prix. And that's just another I'm sorry and a string of I'm sorry's that have made up the 2023 podcasting year for yours truly here at Filibuster Freestyle. That being said, check out the theme song. Before you check out the theme song, I want you to go on Instagram. I want you to follow three entities besides Filibuster Freestyle at Filibuster Freestyle and, by the way, on threads at Filibuster Freestyle as well. But go on Instagram, and if you like gear, swag, etc., you want to follow at pop sketch designs. If you like headwear specifically, you want to follow at hip hopheads USA. And if you like music, if you like content, if you like musical content, and if you like seeing live bands in action, especially if you live in the northeastern United States, especially the closer to Boston you get, this becomes more and more up your alley. Follow at drilling threes on Instagram, America's favorite party band. But like I said, make sure you're following at Filibuster Freestyle, and here's a theme song to remind you what the show's called. Filibuster, Filibuster Freestyle Filibuster, Filibuster Watch freestyle. out for the Filibuster <coughs> <coughs> Filibuster, <coughs> filibuster. <coughs> filibuster. <coughs> Freestyle Filibuster, <coughs> freestyle. filibuster. <coughs> freestyle It's the Filibuster Freestyle <coughs> filibuster, filibuster Freestyle Filibuster Freestyle Okay, so we're not eating any food today, and that's simply because, listen, it's 11 a.m., it's a Tuesday. I had to come back from the office to allow Chief Marketing Officer Cindy Harrington to go run an important errand. Uh, Charlotte, the producer, was asleep. It is both the beauty of having moved much closer in terms of the studio to my day job, but also, you know, just the the, the ramifications of it, which is you got to fit in these pods when you can. I happen to have a window. I have not had a chance to get any Hungarian cuisine to do any research, a little bit of research on it, but nothing in the fridge is going to work, not going to pretend I'm eating something, not going to lie to you people. And so, by the way, if you can hear the crickets in the background, we've got the windows open, the doors open, beautiful sunny day here in Massachusetts, so everything's fine, but we're just a little rushed. So we're not eating. That being said, let's talk about the Grand Prix. Two things that seemed a little rushed, one good, one bad. Danny Ricardo back on the grid and uh, the rushing off the start slash slamming into several cars of uh, Alfa Romeo racer Joe who um, he had a tough start, gotten into some dirty air, had some issue with the leverage of the clutch or something like that. And bottom line, he crashed into, I believe, Daniel Ricardo who then crashed into Peter Gasly, who then crashed into Estepan Ocon? I may even be leaving out another person who crashed, maybe Yuki Tsunoda. Regardless, Joe essentially gets to keep racing, but his day's over after qualifying great and having a tough start. Danny Ricardo, more on him in a minute, who's been rushed back into duty on AlphaTauri, gets hit in his first, uh, not even before his first turn, his first race back, But he gets to stay in the race. Again, more on that in a second. But most importantly, what do we really see? We saw for the second week in a row, Alpine has a double did-not-finish. And this week, they were both taken out by a three- or four- or five-car medley. And... They wound up basically knocking each other out of the race from damages sustained, but again, not created by themselves. So Pierre Gasly, Esteban Ocon, both do not finish for the second race in a row. Not what Alpine wanted, ordered, or intended. Now, in terms of things that were rushed that went well, it felt a little premature for Nick DeVries to get fired. It felt a little premature for Danny Rick to get sent into a seat for the Hungarian Grand Prix this week, and then I believe coming up literally a week later, the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa, when after Spa, there's like a month off. So wouldn't it have made more sense to give Danny Rick the month to figure it out? That being said, during this gardening leave time, or this you know holiday season time, no one's supposed to be doing anything. So they probably figured the best way to get Danny Rick up to speed, Daniel Ricardo, I haven't said his name fully yet, would be to transfer him right away before the break, get him in a car, see how it's going. So Daniel Ricardo qualified 13th for the race. I believe about two spots ahead of Yuki Sonoda, his teammate, his new teammate, he finished the race in thir- the race in 13th place. Again, ahead of Sonoda, his teammate, he was knocked down all the way to 18th place during that crash at the beginning of the race. And he finds a way to drive back up to the spot that he had gotten in via qualifying. <clears throat> by all accounts, by all factors, by all relevant and irrelevant metrics, Daniel Ricardo being back on the grid, huge from an existential marketing standpoint, but a huge successful first race return for Daniel Ricardo. And you got to tip your cap to the guy. So we covered AlfaTori, uh, we covered Alpine in the middle. Uh, Logan Sargent, also in Williams, had to have a do-not-finish, D- not so only 17 cars finished the race. The Haas of Kevin Magnussen in 17th continues to be a tough Sunday performance day for the Haas cars, and specifically for Magnussen. Uh, Yu Gong Joe again, caused that accident early, qualified way up the grid. I think 5th had a rough day, came in 16th, Yuki Snow 15th. Dan, uh, Nico Hulkenberg in the Haas, 14th. Below his qualifying, again, that, that Haas is not a good Sunday race car. And I mentioned Danny Rick in 13. So then you get into your top 12 and maybe some of the angles that come with it. Alex Albon, just one position out of the points in his Williams. Another great drive in a Williams. Another solid, solid drive. It stinks that he's not able to pick up as many points as maybe he deserves because he's right in that like 10th place is probably the absolute best-ish a Williams is going to do most weeks. But Alex Albon is driving it right to that limit most weeks. Lance Stroll and Aston Martin. And that's a good place to start with both Lance in 10th and Fernando Alonso right ahead of him in 9th. The Aston Martin came out of the gates on literally all cylinders to start the F1 season. Till very recently, they were still in second place as a team. Alonso was charging up the grid at Checo Perez to be the third so he was in third, to potentially be second in the Drivers' Championship. All of that has been going backwards for about three to four races in a row, including another disappointing weekend for what was an Aston Martin team that was seventh in 22, jumped to second, which is an unfathomable jump over the winter into the 23 season. And now we're getting a little bit of a market correction in that they finished ninth and tenth, despite the fact that Alonso, who's an unbelievable driver, especially compared to his teammate Stroll, only one position ahead of Stroll. Ferrari had another day in which Ferrari, Ferraried. Enough said. If I'm Carlos Sainz, if I'm Charles Leclerc in 7th and 8th place, respectively, I don't care that, I've said this before, I don't care that it's a dream team. I don't care that it's a dream scenario. I don't care about the history. I don't care about the international fame that comes with bringing Ferrari all the way back. Because number one, in this draft to survive social media F1 explosion era, you don't need to be with the most marquee team to be a household name around the world, and I don't think Ferrari's coming back, definitely not this year, and so those guys have got to be sick of this, and not even worth going into, other podcasts are going to go into it, but if I'm either driver, I'm just so disappointed in the strategy, the tire management, the the pit strategy, the pit stop execution, all of it, let alone any mistakes that they actually make as drivers, which we'll get into in terms of driver mistakes, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton both, you know, fourth for Hamilton, sixth for Russell. But you got to think if you're a Mercedes, man. So let me get this straight. I drive a Mercedes. There are a couple different teams, three actually on the grid besides us who have a Mercedes engine. Williams, McLaren, and Aston Martin. Aston Martin started this year going gangbusters and looking better than Mercedes. And now after the upgrades the last few weeks – McLaren in a Mercedes engine looking a lot better than Mercedes. In both cases, Mercedes is getting out-designed by brands that use their engine. And, of course, McLaren and Aston Martin are probably going to move away from Mercedes engines eventually, especially Aston Martin. I believe they're going to Honda in 2026, the new regulations. Bottom line is, George Russell... He actually had a good race, but he started so far back in the, in the grid because Mercedes kind of screwed up his qualifying strategy on Saturday. <clears throat> now, Lewis, it was the opposite. Lewis, unbelievable qualifying, was the pole setter for the first time in 18 months on Saturday, out qualifying Max Verstappen by three one thousandths of a second, and then basically gave away three spots within the first two turns of the race with a rough start, not in terms of reaction time, but in terms of. Didn't take a good line. Didn't keep people behind him. And all you know, next thing you know, he's fighting from fourth place the rest of the race. And he ends up finishing in fourth. Oscar Piastri, the rookie, he was running top three for a while for the second race in a row. He finishes top five. Phenomenal day for him and for McLaren. Lando Norris, phenomenal day in McLaren as well. Finishes second, second straight podium, second straight second place. First time he's strung together two straight podiums in a row. In his F1 career thus far. So McLaren went from looking like the worst team on the grid, or certainly one of the worst three, to arguably the best three. Sorry, to clearly right now the best three, if not arguably the best two, going into the break at Belgium this week. A little bit more on all of that in a minute, but really then you look at, it was a big weekend for Red Bull. They were going for their 12th consecutive victory and they got it. And they got it emphatically. Max Verstappen was three thousandths slow of first place. in qualifying, he was 32-plus seconds ahead of Lando, 33-plus seconds ahead of Lando in the race. And his teammate, Checo Perez, who started, I think, eighth or so, ninth, wherever he was, a better qualifying weekend for him than he'd been having, but not great, finds a way to drive that rocket ship up to third place, fends off Hamilton, isn't able to catch Norris, for Max, it's another walk in the park. For Rebels, another walk in the park. For Perez, for Checo, it's a really good salvage, especially on a day when Danny Rick is back on the grid and Danny Ricardo is looking to maybe replace you, if not next season, in 25 when your contract ends. Daniel Rick had a really good day in a really bad car. It was imperative for Checo to have a really decent day in a really great car. I think he did that, but he's got to keep stringing those together. He could be cooked. It's kind of a short and sweet way to look at this thing, but I would say this. At the beginning of the year, if we looked at the standings and you told me that this would be the current standings, I would have been shocked. So right now, you've got Alpha Tari in last place. I wouldn't have thought that. Alpha Romero in ninth place, which I wouldn't have thought that. Haas in eighth, tied with Williams, both on 11 points, who are technically in seventh. I think Williams is, is racing great. I think Haas is racing fine. I think Alpha Romero is a slight disappointment. I think Alpha Torre is a major, to this point, disappointment. But again, Daniel Ricardo moving into the team, we'll see. <clears throat> Alpine, who came out of the gate well ahead of McLaren, is now well behind McLaren. They haven't had a lot of action in a while, and double do not finishes two weeks in a row, two in a row, not great. So McLaren went from a clear 7th, to a clear fifth they are 40 points ahead of Alpine they are 80 points behind Ferrari and frankly they're going in different directions Ferrari and Aston Martin are still very close they're only separated by 17 points Aston Martin's still in third place but Ferrari the car seems faster now they just don't execute well and the Mercedes has been a beneficiary of all of this which is Aston Martin has fallen off McLaren started out terrible Ferrari's been a step behind basically all year Mercedes is looking like the best of the rest of these middle, like, second to fifth place teams. And then Red Bull's running away with it. But if you told me that McLaren, where they were after the third, fourth race of the season, halfway through, were going to be a clear, emphatic fifth and maybe have a shot to catch fourth place Ferrari, would have told you you were crazy. So listen to this. Charlotte, the producer, was put down 50 minutes ago, 5-0, by Cindy Harrington. She's already awake from her nap. So we are going to cut this thing very, very short. But in the driver's standings, 21st place, not really fair to him. Only one race, Danny Ricardo. Nick DeVries has been fired, 20th place. Logan Sargent, the other rookie besides DeVries and Piastri, in 19th. All those guys have zero points so far. K-Mag, Haas, two points in 18th. Yuki, two points in 17th. Joe, four points for Alfa Romero. Botas, five points in 15th place for Alfa Romero. 14th place at 9 points from Nico Hulkenberg, pretty good for a Haas. Alexander Albert Bond, excuse me, 11 points, 13th place, Herculean. Gasly and Ocon have been stuck on their points for a while now. Ocon's in 10th with 31. Gasly has been stuck on 16 forever. Oscar Piastri, after the last two weeks, has gone from behind Gasly, basically, to almost ahead of Ocon. He's in 11th, sandwiched between the Alpines at 27 points. Then it jumps up to 45 for our guy, Lance Stroll who's been stuck on 45 points for a while, or at least stuck on, like, he hasn't had a lot of action in a while. Lando's been a rocket ship. He's now in eighth, 60 points, two podiums in the season, two straight. He's only 20 points behind Charlotte Claire in seventh. Seven points ahead of Charlotte Claire with 87 points. Carlos Sainz Jr., three points ahead of Carlos Sainz Jr., George Russell from Mercedes, 90 points. And then it starts to get a little interesting again. Lewis Hamilton, 133 points. Only six points behind third-place driver for Ninto Alonso. Alonso's now over 30 points behind Perez, who's at 171. And Max is 110 points ahead of his own teammate. Nine wins out of 11 races, 11 podiums out of 11 podiums, 281 points. Max winning this thing by himself in terms of the constructors if he needed to. Here we go. So that's going to be a short and sweet pod. We will do a better job, hopefully, for Belgium. And regardless of that fact, we're going to have a month, three, four weeks at least, to try to get ourselves recalibrated for the back end of the season. Thanks for listening. The express version of the Hungarian Grand Prix from the filibuster freestyle. We'd like to call it F1 Feast.